I was played, or it was saying the first year, or the first time Caitlin and I ever came to Berean. And it was the first time I had ever sung that song in worship. And uh, um, the week before, I, had saw, I, I saw a meme uh, with that song in it. And the, the, the meme said, who is going to pay for the stimulus package from COVID? And uh, the song goes, and your family, and your children, and their children, and their children. So when I first heard that song and I was singing it, I was laughing in service. And I, I, I felt terrible, but I was still worshiping. And it was, it was still a wonderful moment. So, um, but yeah, so, but it, it's more about blessing than it is about who's going to pay for the stimulus package. Anyway, uh, so, <laughs> all right. So um, this morning, I get the privilege to share from God's Word. And, uh, you know, I, I'd been thinking about what, what, what is a word that I want to give to this graduating class? I mean, we have 14 seniors that have been involved in our Wednesday night, our Sunday morning, coming to Sunday school, coming to youth group, uh, being involved in very compa- various capacities and also connected to the church. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I, I was impressed by a book that I read years back called Do Hard Things. Uh, a Teenage Rebellion Against Low Expectations um, by Brett and Alex Harris. And um, I, I, honestly, I didn't really remember much about the book. Um, I, I read it probably six or seven years ago. Um, but I also thought about low expectations and thought about the challenge, thought about what is the greatest need that our world has for this graduating class. And that need is to try hard things. Now, I changed it a little bit from do hard things. You might have the, the do in there. But try, the reason why I added try is because there's a measure of risk. You know, if you go out on a business venture or if you venture out, you're trying something new. And I want to charge our seniors to try hard things to try something new and do it for the gospel, do it for the good news of Christ. Throw your life at a trajectory. Give your life a direction because we're going to be flinging out to different areas of the country and different areas of the world to make an impact for Christ. And so that's where we're going this morning. We're going to look at God's Word in terms of growing in Christian maturity. And we're going to look at Paul's letter to the first. Or, <laughs> we're going to look at Paul's letter to the Corinthians. There's not two different communities. It's it's just the Corinthians. Uh, but we're going to look at Paul's letter to the Corinthians, his first letter, and uh, we're going to look at the love chapter, First Corinthians 13. It has a marvelous answer for us in how do we grow in Christian maturity. Our our main verse that we're going to focus on today is. The one that's on the screen right now, 1 Corinthians 13, 11. It says, when I was a child, I spoke as a child. I thought uh, like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I gave up childish ways. And I want to tell you this morning, that is what's happening. There is a movement that's going out from abandoning the 
speaking of a child, abandoning the thought of a child, abandoning the reasoning like a child, and a movement towards putting those things aside to reach the world for Christ. And so that's the trajectory we're going this morning. Will you pray with me uh, before we dive into Scripture? Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you for your presence in our lives. Lord, we know that none of us would have hope on our own, but it is only because of you that we have hope. Lord, we ask that you would meet us here this morning, that you would engage our minds with the words from Scripture, and Lord, season our hearts with the truth and the calling towards doing dangerous things, stepping outside of our comfort zone and trying hard things for your kingdom and for your glory and for our good. Lord, we ask that you would work in our hearts today that we might reorient some things and think about how you might be calling us to try something different. Maybe it could be some looking towards baptism or taking the next step in faith. That might sound scary, but Lord, we know that following you and trusting you is worth it. So Lord, we ask that this time would be set apart. Lord, I know we may have grad parties, we may have so many other things that, that, that might flood into our minds, but Lord, keep us focused on your word, keep us focused on your truth this morning. And Lord, help us to be transformed by it, in Jesus' name. Amen. So it seems fitting to start out with reading 1 Corinthians 13. A little bit of preface, has anybody heard 1 Corinthians 13 at a wedding? Maybe a few of us, maybe of us heard it, but we weren't sure where this scripture was coming from. But this is a popular wedding text. I'm going to give you a different perspective on it today. So um, we're going to dive in. So 1 Corinthians 13, if you have your Bibles, and I hope you do, please turn there with me. I'm reading from the ESV. Your version might be a little bit different, but we're going to work through it together. So 1 Corinthians 13, starting at verse 1. It'll probably be familiar (laughs) once we start reading. If I speak in the tongues of men and angels... But have not love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as, so as to remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. If I give away all I have, and if I deliver up my body to be burned and have not love, I gain nothing. Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice in wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. As for prophecies, they will pass away. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part, but when the perfect comes, 
the partial will pass away. When I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I gave up childish ways. From now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I have been fully known. So now faith, hope, and love abide. These three. But the greatest of these is love. I have three main points today coming out of this text. The first is that trying hard things takes grit. The second is trying hard things takes a correct spiritual perspective. And then the third is trying hard things takes time and intention. We'll start with the first one. Trying hard things takes grit. You know, Paul is making a list of all the impressive things that are happening in the church of Corinth. You know, it's fascinating, you know, reading uh, the, the letter to, to, to the Corinthians and uh, trying to decipher what are some of their problems, what are the, some of the things that are going great. I'll tell you, it is a growing church, but you realize they have some serious problems. They have uh, things that are acceptable within their church that are not acceptable to, to, to people that are not believing. They have fallen into sin and, and have celebrated sin within their church walls. But they also have some good things that are going on. He, you know, there's many things that, 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 that God is moving in. There's uh, some of those things that are mentioned before in uh, the, the, the first few verses of, of, uh, of the letter. Uh, you know, there's prophecy taking place. There is uh, God moving in their midst. And in essence, he's saying they are all amount to nothing. Um, so Paul is making a list of impressive things that are happening within the church. All the miraculous things that are uh, seemingly a part of the kingdom of God. And in essence, uh, he's telling them, you could be great at prophecy, you can understand so many of these things, but if you don't have love, you miss it. If you don't have love, you are off base. Have you ever had anyone invalidate your work before? You know, somebody just walk up and say, hey, that wasn't very good. Um, one uh, activity on the campus of Crown College that we had, uh, we had a disc golf course. How many of us have played disc golf before? Anybody? Ooh, yeah, all right, you and me and all of us. Let's do it, okay. Um, but, but we had a disc golf course uh, where hole one was 50 steps away f- from my front door my junior year. And uh, that was amazing. It was like we could go every single day if we wanted to, and we did many times. Uh, but we had some talented guys with really long arms. As you can see, I don't have a very good wingspan. Um, but we had some really talented guys with long arms, and some of them were very impressive uh, shots of, of, of distance and skill. Um, I was not gifted that same way. But one thing that, uh, that, that I would say uh, that would most invalidate their disc golfing skills 
uh, was, you know, I'd say nice shot, but, you know, if you were better, it would have gone in. <laughs> I would say that all, like, like we had a guy, his name was Jeff Metz, he like hit, hit this really long one and just nailed the bottom of the tee and we all went crazy. And as we were walking, I said, Jeff, yeah, it would have been better if it would have gone in. So invalidating what, what, he, what he has done, but that is what uh, a little bit of what might seem Paul is doing here, where there's some great things going on, and it, it might seem like Paul is coming off as critical. And truly, I'll tell you, his heart is for them. If we look at the context of the letter, you look at the direction of the letter, you see his heart is for them to flee evil, to flee sin, and for them to... Um, to embrace righteousness, to return back to God, to come to a heart of repentance. You know, miracles were happening within the church of Corinth. People were coming to know Christ. Revelations were happening. There was tremendous insight that was taking place where people uh, were helping each other and being guided in their spiritual walk as we, as we see in the letters. Numerically, they were growing, and there was manifestations of the Spirit everywhere. They had skilled speakers, they had skilled teachers, and they were the kind of church you wanted to invite your friends to. Well, not the, <laughs> not, not the sinful parts of the church. But we, we, we come to the first three verses, and Paul lays this bomb. This is not your Hobby Lobby sign that you might see. Has anybody seen 1 Corinthians, the things that I read? Have you seen that at Hobby Lobby? Anybody? He drops this bomb. He says, it is possible to have all that, to do all that, and to not be a Christian at all. You can use God for these purposes, but you can be so far from Him. In verses 4-7, through seven, he gives us a picture of, of all these things that love is. And he brings the definition of love. Love is patient. Love is kind. And, you know, throughout many of the activities that's happening in the First Corinthian church, there isn't a lot of patience. This is a message that they need to hear. This is a message that they need to digest and live out in their lives. Because love is patient and love is kind. Point number two. Trying hard things takes a correct spiritual perspective. So we've talked about the grit. We've talked about the challenge. But looking at uh, it takes a correct spiritual perspective. If we understand this text, it should be a solid rebuke. He is rebuking in 1 Corinthians 13. Isn't that funny that this is read at weddings and that, <laughs> that, 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 that it's a rebuke that's read at weddings? But I'm sure some of the listeners were offended. You know, how this was presented is they would gather the church around and they would read the letter for everyone to hear. And I could imagine some people hearing this for the first time as Paul sends this letter and it's read and they say, wow, that was harsh. Oof, that one hurt. But Paul is going right, right for their hearts, and he loves them, and he cares for them, and he cares for them enough to tell them the truth. 
The correct spiritual perspective of every person that comes to Christ is that we all start out as blubbering babies. Go to the next slide. Paul's calling the church babies. <laughs> He's saying, you guys are just a bunch of babies. Getting back to that main verse, getting back to verse 11, I think that's something that we cannot miss, is that he, he, he says, when I was a child, I spoke like a child, I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child. But when I became a man, I set those childish things aside. He's calling them out. He's calling them babies. And I think to have the correct spiritual perspective is to know that we all start out at babies. It doesn't matter whether you're 80 when you come to Christ or you're four years old and you come to Christ and you put your faith and trust in Him, everyone starts out as a spiritual baby. You know, we do not regard people as a, from a worldly perspective. If somebody comes to Christ and they are in a high place, and they are in a place of honor, and they are a public figure, they still start out as what? A baby. If someone is incredibly wealthy, the richest person in the world, they start out as a baby. If someone's a president, if someone is a world traveler, it doesn't matter how many friends you have, every person that comes to Christ starts out as a baby. It's important that we understand that because that is a gospel perspective of how we view each person and how we view ourselves. That we were once that baby. That we were once in need. You know, 2 Corinthians 5.16 says, So from now on, we regard one another... Uh, we, so from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we were once regarded Christ in that way, we do so no longer. It's important for us to see people from a God, uh, from a correct spiritual perspective. That as somebody might be very proficient in in finance or very proficient in their their field of study, still they start out as a spiritual baby. You know, this affects every area of the church. And as I, I sat with this text and thought about this text, I thought about our process of bringing on elders and appointing people to leadership positions. It affects every way, every area of the church, especially looking to fill like an elder role. A person may be at the top of their field. You know, here in Rochester, we have a lot of doctors, right? I think we have a few, right? But... If someone has only been a believer for a year or two, it's important that they are not thrusted into the limelight. You know, we see this in our culture where we, so often, somebody has this public display of coming to Christ and they hand that person the microphone. I think that's one of the worst things that we could do because they're handing a spiritual baby the microphone and asking them to steer the ship. 
And that spiritual baby is not ready to, to steer the ship. One prime example, uh, this might not land with everyone, but Kanye West. Kanye West coming to Christ a couple of years ago. You know, you can love Kanye. You know, he, he, he's got a, an album that I believe <laughs> is worship. But uh, they hand the guy the microphone, and he's not ready. You know, you look at the qualifications of an elder and qualifications of a deacon in 1 Timothy 3. Those qualifications, yeah, a man of one wife. Yes, uh, they are not given over to alcohol. They're, uh, all of these things, they're a good manager, but one of those things is very important, that they're not a new believer. For a reason, because it doesn't matter how meaningful they were in the secular world, how many people they were over in leadership in the world, they are still a spiritual baby. And we should not uh, appoint babies to important positions of the church. But it's important. It's important for us to understand that every person, doesn't matter how old or their height or stature, they start out as spiritual babies. Now, this is important for us, for, for, for us that maybe uh, have not given our lives to Christ yet, not put Jesus in that place as the center of our lives. I want to ask you today, in, your, in, the, in, the, in the stillness of your heart, have you been born again? Have you come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ? Have you made Him the center of your life? Because that must take place for you to grow. And I think Paul, when he's writing this, he's writing it to the church, and those are the people that have put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. But he's telling them, there are probably some of you that have not, and you need to be born again. Unless you understand that you are a baby spiritually and need uh, the saving work of Christ every day, this means no, nothing. Paul tells the Corinthian church, without love, you are nothing. So is the same way with us. If we forget love, if we forget the love of Christ, we are nothing. Point number three, trying hard things takes time and intention. Paul is saying here that he has put away his childish reasoning and thinking like an adult. You know, 1 Corinthians 13.11, Paul teaches us, uh, or Paul here uses a word, uh, the, 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 the Greek word for reasoning is logazami. <laughs> I just butchered that. Okay, I'm not going to use that. Okay, but it, what it means is reckoning. What the word for reasoning means is to logic out, to think out, to uh, reason. That they are supposed to reason. Paul uses the same idea in Romans 8.18, where in the King James Version it says, For I reckon that the suffering of this present life are not worthy to be compared with the glory of which shall be revealed in us, in Christ Jesus. So there's a reckoning that needs to take place, a wrestling. 
What is Paul saying here about a childish reasoning versus spiritual mature reasoning? This is what he says. If I just react like a baby to things I don't like, I will be overthrown by these things. That's something that we need to understand. If we just respond like a baby to the things of our, uh, to, to, to whatever's going on in our lives, we're going to be tossed to and fro. That's what Ephesians 4 says, that if we don't cling to Christ, if we don't cling to our rock and our Redeemer, we'll be overthrown by these things. But the reasoning, but if I reason, if I think it out, if I reckon, if I reckon with these things, then I will be no longer like a baby. Then I will be like a man. You know, it's interesting, later on in 1 Corinthians, in chapter 16, uh, verse 13, Paul says, Be watchful, stand firm in faith, act like men, be strong. I think that's a, a, a straightforward challenge. If you didn't pick up on that, the, me calling you a baby, you better pick up on it now. When he gets to, to chapter 16. Be watchful. Stand firm in faith. Act like men. Be strong. He gives them this challenge. And that challenge takes time and intention. Are we reckoning with something? Are we giving time to decisions or are we reacting in the moment like a baby? You know, having a baby in the home, I see this on a regular basis with my son Tobias. He's going to be 16 months on the 9th. But we see the faculties that are taking place as I tell him not to do something, and he goes and he does it anyway. And lovingly and graciously, I step in and say, don't do that. We must not reckon like a child. We must put those things aside. So, seniors especially, I want to challenge you on the basis of verse 11. Verse 11 says this, When I was a child, I spoke like a child, I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I gave up childish ways. Don't go back. Don't go back. If you've taken ground in a certain area, if you've t- taken ground in, in, if God has worked in your life in a way, don't go back. I want to close with Proverbs 2 9. Because I think this is important for us to understand, and there's a connection here about going down a path. I, I, I like the word picture and, and how it how it fits. But all of Proverbs 2, I would encourage you seniors to digest that, to devour that, because that will um, make it very clear whether you are still living like a baby or if you have set those things aside. Proverbs 2.9 gets straight to the point. Then you will understand righteousness and justice and equity, every good path. Now, leading up to verse 9, 
There's different words about righteousness. There's different words about what it means to, to walk in wisdom. And we know Proverbs overall is a wisdom literature. It helps us understand how to walk wise. But this is that promise that's right there in the middle. Then you will understand righteousness and justice and equity. Every good path. So my charge to you this morning is to set aside the ways of the baby and to take hold of what Christ has for you. To set those childish ways aside and to pursue Christ. You are headed down a path. We must trust God in the process. Will you pray with me? Jesus, Lord, we thank you for how you have revealed yourself in Scripture. Lord, how you have made yourself known to us. That, uh, that we can know what that path is. And Lord, we don't have to wander and question what is the meaning of life. You have laid it out clearly for us. And Lord, we ask that by your Spirit that you would give us the wisdom that we need the strength, the fortitude, the ability to stand up under the attacks of this world. And Lord, we ask that you would give us the wisdom, that you would bless our seniors with that wisdom to walk by your truth and to not return to the primitive ways that we walked before. Lord, help us, train us, transform us, make us new. We ask all of this in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen.